you know, you should really consider going to real estate school. And I said, I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't, who, what, what, what? I couldn't, I couldn't sell a sandwich to a hungry man. The real estate sales system is like a clock. There's like a lot of gears. And if one is broken or one isn't working, then it slows the whole mechanism down. So it takes a while to A, break your old habits, C, learn a whole new set of skills, learn how to speak to people and how to talk to people in a way where you ask questions and can be confrontational without being offensive, um, learn to close, and, uh, and, and that's just getting started, right? On top of that, it's a sales business, um, and people don't like sales. And there's a lot of people in real estate who they never told us when we were in school that this is a sales business. Gratitude is the most powerful emotion known to man. It's even more powerful than love. And if you can give your SOI recognition on a very high level and give them gratitude, they will continue to produce for you. Sometimes they're still mad and they need to still vent and that's okay. You just got to let them, you know? And so you find that they're like that balloon and once they get all the air out, then it gives you space to be able to offer a service and to, and to offer a solution. When it really comes down to the brass tacks of it, I love helping people and I love making them happy. Mastermind Agent is proud to present Success Calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent and welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Paula Burleson with Cobalt Banker in Henderson, Nevada. Welcome to the call, Paula. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, a lot of people don't realize where Henderson is, but we're like adjacent to Las Vegas. So it's actually Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Okay, well, I've been in real estate for about 19 years, and my career right before that for, um, for about six years, I was a paramedic here in Las Vegas, um, and then I moved here to Las Vegas in 1997 um, following my um, ex-husband who was a musician, and I was a comedian, so I was, a, I was actually in the entertainment business before that. Wow. You, when you say comedian, do you mean like a stand-up comic? Yeah, just like one. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you do that? Um, about three years. So I was, um, I was on the circuit in Nashville for a little while. And then, um, you know, uh, the lifestyle got a little rough. The nights were a little late. And uh, we got moved here um, to Las Vegas for um, other adventures. And I just decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I decided I wanted to do something else. So I went to um, back to school to become a paramedic. Yeah, comedians, they, they do a lot of traveling, right? There's a lot of a movement and uh, odd hours and uh, it's yeah. pretty draining. Yeah. But I assume on the flip side, you really learned how to connect with people quickly. You have to connect with an audience. Uh, you get to meet a lot of different people. So you know how to create relationships fast. Is that true? Yeah, I would say so. And I would say the one thing that I got out of that more than anything else is um, 
being uncomfortable is like the most my space, right? So how to turn that moment where you're uncomfortable into something that's truly comfortable and then connecting with people. So. And then you became a, a paramedic. So you were helping people uh, in, in, in a probably a tough situation for them. Uh, mm -hmm. And you did that for six years. Uh, what type of skills do you think you picked up there that helped you in real estate? Well, you know, it's interesting. I always say when somebody has to call 911, it's the worst day of their life. And so you learn a lot of empathy and you learn a lot of um, crisis management and you learn to um, calm, be the rock in the storm. And so I would say those were some of the skills that I brought from that. But it's interesting. People ask me all the time. They're like, wow, like, and you're helping people, right? That was the, that's the key point. And so I'm still helping people now. And they say, well, how is being um, a real estate agent so different from your past career? And I say, well, you know, I'm in my car most of the time. I do crisis management. And I communicate with people and I fill out a lot of paperwork. So realistically, it's almost the same job. <laughs> now, now, what made you switch from being a paramedic to real estate? Why did you get your real estate license? It wasn't, I got, <laughs> this is a funny story. I'll try to keep it short. It was an accident. <laughs> so um, I was actually um, in 2001, um, I woke up on December, um, I'm sorry, May 26th, um, and I could no longer feel my legs. And um, I was diagnosed with a spinal tumor that had incarcerated my sciatic nerve. Now, when you're a paramedic, you're, carrying people downstairs all the time and you're you know you're 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 in the field so your back hurts all the time so it never occurred to me that there was something actually wrong and so after a year of multiple surgeries and um, rehab um, my real estate agent who was a Brian Buffini agent I just bought a house about a year and a half before that knocked on my door and did a pop by right and said you know and sees me in this turtle brace and with a, with a walker and I'm 27 years old and she says what the heck happened did I told her and she says, you know, you should really consider going to real estate school. And I said, I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't, who, what, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't sell a sandwich to a hungry man. Like, I don't even know how to do that. Right. So, uh, I thought about it for a couple of days. I looked into it and before you know it, I was, got my license and then off I off and running. Wow. Wow. So, uh, you hadn't planned on it. It wasn't transition. It wasn't the money. It was just that you got knocked off your feet literally and uh, this opportunity came by for you to do something that you didn't have to carry people downstairs. <laughs> well, I mean, I knew that it was something I could still do that I could help people. And I did hear that real estate agents had really nice cars and they had really nice clothes and they had really nice houses and they made a lot of money. So I thought, well, if I can do both of those things, then that's exactly what I want in my life. <laughs> That's great. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Paula, I, 
I learned something recently about you and uh, your growing up and your experience from where you were to where you are today. Could you give us a little bit of that background? Sure. Um, well, I've not always been a showgirl on the Las Vegas Strip. So <laughs> I actually grew up um, with very meager beginnings. In fact, um, my we grew up in a trailer in rural Tennessee. Um, we had a very, very um, meager life. We were all, my mom was, you know, a hardworking woman, but we were on welfare. My dad was very hardworking, but didn't always have work. So we, you know, didn't didn't have a lot growing up. And so um, I would say that, you know, that's, it's one of those things that you have to decide. Is that the life that you're going to live the rest of your life or are you going to turn left and do something completely different? Wow. Uh, let's move through some time. You, um, you have a, a certain theory on mindset. Uh, could you describe that to us? Well, I believe most people in the world operate from a negative perspective and perspective is reality. So whatever you believe in, whatever you think and whatever you, whatever you decide is right in this world, Mike is your perspective and your, that's your reality. There's no arguing with that. Right. So, um, perhaps it's rose colored glasses, but for me, I chose out, I chose out of media. I chose out of negative, um, conversations. I chose out of news. I chose out of TV. Um, I watch about an hour of TV um, a, a week. Um, and so, you know, for me, I believe the reason why I can do the things I do and that I've learned the things I've learned and that I can be as versatile as possible is by subtracting the stuff that is negative. So your your mind is no different than your body. If you sit around and eat ice cream and pizza all day, like that's really great for a minute, but then after a while, what happens? You know, you become unhealthy, you have other systemic issues, you know, um, you know, relating back to my job as a paramedic, I'd see that all the time, right? But if you were relatively healthy, had a nice balanced diet, got some exercise, you know, then your, your body rewarded you for that. It's your mind is the exact same way. If you feed it news, I mean, there's no good news on the news, right? They don't say it's the only, it's so much, it's so funny to me. It's the only thing that says good morning and then gives you 50 reasons why it's not. <laughs> so, so, like, there's no good news. Like, you have to create your own news through, you know, meditation and reading and um, watching inspirational videos, um, you know, doing kind things for other people. Um, this is what you feed your mind. So, for me, everything I, I, I've, Everything I, every experience I have, I make a decision. Am I going to learn from this? Am I going to, is this something that I can teach? Is it something that's going to enrich my life? Is it something that's going to make me more versatile? And if it doesn't fit into one of those, those squares, I don't give it a lot of space. Whether it's a person, whether it's a TV show, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, um, and the good news is, is that there, if you look, 
there are so many great things that you can replace those things with. So you can replace that pizza with an apple and you can, instead of um, watching, you know, TV, you can watch a, a series on how, you know, the oceans are made, you know, or how, you know, Starbucks upgraded their business or how, you know, Michael Jordan feels about making a hundred shots of basketball a day, you know, or, or an hour. Like there's so many great things that you can replace the, those things with that will help change and reprogram your mind so that you become a positive, more open, more versatile person. And you're way more attractive to people. Well, tell us about the, the first year. How did the first year go for you in real estate? I think my first year in real estate, um, if you want to know the honest truth, I sh kept showing up to work and I was told in real estate school, we were all told that, that same story, right? Like show up, dress up and be present and you'll, you'll win, right? You, you're told that story, right? And I kept showing up and I'll tell you, Mike, I kept looking in my drawers for my checks and I couldn't find them. <laughs> month after month, I didn't know what it was. And I would go to all these classes and I was doing open houses. Um, and I just, I just struggled to be honest with you. My first year in the business, I, I didn't do a single deal. Wow. Wow. Not a single closing in year one. Uh, that's amazing that you stuck it through. What happened uh, in year two? In year two, I found some direction and I, I moved from, I was with another company and I moved to Coldwell Banker Premier about halfway through year one and I could immediately knew, I could see the difference. And my broker said to me, he says, you know, you're very dynamic, but you're, the way that you speak to people turns people off. <laughs> I didn't know that, right? And he says, you know, I think you should go see Mike Ferry. And I go, I would, I was like, that guy is so rude. There's no way, you know? So, um, you know, he kind of pushed my hand and said, you know, if you want to keep working here, this is what we want you to do. And so I went and I sat in the back and I, um, I had no money and I went to the mall on the brunch because I, didn't know what else to do but then about the third day it started making sense to me and um i signed up for some some other classes and some um some of his cds and so forth and so on and um within the next 12 months i had done 10 deals so i went from zero to 10 and then 10 to 18 18 to 24 24 to 36 and it just kept going from there that's great. So I like this. This it was a, it was a progression. It was a slow progression where you were building up. Uh, what were you basing your lead generation on at that time? Did you continue to follow the Mike Ferry philosophy of prospecting? Yes. So I'm I'm a Mike Ferry agent through and through, um, even still today. Um, and so I I prospect every single day. And I think what people don't realize is that there's a lot of you know, like the real, the real estate sales system is like a clock. There's like a lot of gears. And if one is 
broken or one isn't working, then it slows the whole mechanism down. So it takes a while to A, break your old habits, C, learn a whole new set of skills, learn how to speak to people and how to talk to people in a way where you ask questions and can be confrontational without being offensive, um, learn to close, and, uh, and, and that's just getting started, right? So anybody can pick up the phone and read the scripts. I mean, that's the first step for sure. But above that, you have to know how to um, speak with authority and you know how to ask questions and um, you have to know how to ask the right questions and how to ask them and as far as the tonality that you use. And I mean, this is a sales job. So that's what I think a lot of people get hung up on. They come into this business and, like me, have zero business experience. I've never even, they don't even realize that it's a business. Like, it's like a pizza shop, right? Like, it's no different than owning a flower shop. You've got to have stock. You've got to have inventory. You've got to have all these things, right? And then on top of that, it's a sales business. Um, and people don't like sales. And there's a lot of people in real estate who they never told us when we were in school that this is a sales business. Mm, very good. And, and you picked up on that after one year of, let's say, failing or flailing where nothing was happening and no paychecks were in those drawers. Yeah. Uh, it, what kept you in it for so long, by the way, a, a year of no closings? Uh, why did you stay in the business? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't, you know that story about the man who burns all his boats? I was that person. Like, I had no option. Like, I literally had gone from making, working five 12-hour shifts a day as a paramedic and, you know, making $80,000 a year to having no ability to make money. Like, I literally couldn't go back to that job. And the only other job that I could go back to would be a receptionist in an emergency room, which I did part-time that first year. Um, that's how I kept myself afloat. Um, and then, uh, or going into teaching. And because um, I hate to tell you this, but a, a bachelor's degree in paramedic medicine won't get you anything if you're not a paramedic, you know? So, <laughs> so, so, so like I just kept going. I, I didn't have an option. Um, and that was it. You know, I didn't have any other boats. So you uh, saw this opportunity to develop some sales skills and you did. Tell us about the early days, though, when you first started in with the system. You said you went to the, the conference and by, by day three, you start to buy in a little bit. You bought some cassette tapes. Uh, I assume they were no, cassette I didn't say cassette tapes because yes. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was cassette tapes. Uh, it was so, CDs. <laughs> You, you listened a little bit, and, and did, did you jump right into the coaching, or did you kind of just get your feet wet and try it on your own, and how did you get yourself to make those original calls? Um, I started, yes. So the answer is yes. Um, I bought the CDs. I started listening to them. Um, I started to learn the scripts. I started to go to prospecting schools. I didn't start coaching right away. Um, I couldn't afford it. Let's be honest. It's a thousand dollars a month for a professional coach. I mean, I, 
I could barely pay my house payment, you know? So, I mean, I was literally, so I would go to every event that they had here in Las Vegas or in LA and I would just go to those events. And I just decided that I liked, although I, and, and <laughs> although me and Mike are great friends now, at the time I didn't like Mike, but I liked his, I, I liked the fact that I could relate to it, his message. It seemed very honest and it seemed very truthful. It basically was, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take hard work and you're going to, as long as you can commit to that, we can do this together. And I, I gravitated towards that because it didn't sound like a magic pill or, or something super, you know, califragilistic. So I just said, you know, I, 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 I know what hard work is. I can do that. So I just buckled down and did it. And it takes a lot longer than people realize. And you have to realize that, you know, if you're going to be in this business for five years, you have to invest in yourself. And so I went to every single event that I could get to from here that was, you know, within, you know, that I could drive to. And then I just kept staying in the system. I went to every, the superstar retreats, the, the, the retreats at the big, uh, the one-on-one -on -one retreats and, you know, all the retreats, everything that they had that I could get to, I went to. And I just stayed that course. And I never went to any other coaches or any other thing. I mean, that was just, it, uh, that was it. Yeah, that's really interesting that you, you didn't like uh, Mike Ferry's message at the beginning. You thought he was a little brash. A lot of people do that. He's kind of polarizing. You either love him or hate him kind of thing. Right. Uh, but you uh, said you plugged into the logic side of it, right? It was, for instance, I read his book way back when, How to Make Six Figures in Real Estate. It was a blue yeah. book and it was logical and it made sense. And sounds like that's kind of what you tapped into. It made sense that there was a path for you. Yeah, absolutely a path. And it just, I mean, like I said, I could relate, to, I could understand. It didn't seem like it was, you know, like it didn't seem like it was a magic pill. And, you know, I, I got to meet some of the great superstars even then that, you know, were doing a hundred deals a year. And I just, the, it was just an, it was, it continued to be an incredible experience and still does to this day. I, again, I want to take you back there, and I'm doing this for a reason. People that are, want to start prospecting late in their career or they're brand new, uh, it, I'm going to try to bring you back to the first time you made a phone call. Do you recall <laughs> who you were prospecting to and how it went, and were you able to make the call? Put yourself back in those shoes and, and tell us kind of what happened that very first day you went to make calls. So you know, there's a natural call avoidance that everybody has. I still have it to this day. So, um, but you know, you pick the phone up and you know, <laughs> the first time someone answers, you freak out and you just hang up because <laughs> you don't even know what to say. Right. So, so then you keep calling. And, and so I started actually calling for sale by owners. Um, I'm just a glutton for punishment, I suppose. So, um, but I thought, you know what? Okay. Here's somebody with a sign in their yard. They need my help. They'll take my call. And, um, I mean, and it was war. I mean, it was all out war. Those first, that first year of calls was absolutely war. It was a war with myself, a war with trying to figure out what to say, how to say it. 
I didn't want to use the scripts because they seemed weird. And so I tried to say what I wanted to say. And then I ended up irritating people and they would hang up on me. So, I mean, it just, it, it, there's a lot to be learned in that first year. You said that you fought the, the scripts, you know, a proven system, these scripts. You knew it was a proven system, but it didn't sound like you or feel like you. How Did you get over that or did you end up making your own scripts? Oh, no. I absolutely use the scripts today verbatim most of the time. I mean, of course, I add my own things in and I have a great conversation. But what happens is, is that um, I bought a CD, which is no longer available, unfortunately, that had the scripts recorded with baroque music and i listened to it uh, like 10 times a day and i found myself going around to people going hi you know oh okay how long have you lived at this address and when do you plan on moving and you know so i just became more natural um and then as i started to go to some of those some of the prospecting schools and um, what did they call them then it was a script school that they we called then and they would teach you and that's what's great about Mike and his system. They teach you not just the words, but how to say them, right? How to use a downswing, when to use an upswing, you know, why you're asking questions, um, the tonality that you're using to stand up when you're prospecting so that you project and you feel confident. So a lot of that goes into the results that you get. Absolutely. Just real quick, that Baroque music you were talking about, those were subliminal messages, so to speak. They were, they were doing the scripts underneath the music, and the music was opening up your mind. It was kind of a wild <laughs> concept, but it, it did work. Uh, it was a little, a little odd. Um, but you were just talking about scripting and a downswing and an upswing. For people that don't know, what does that mean? So when naturally, so for an enthusiastic woman like myself, I tend to talk with an upswing, which means that, or Canadians talk often with an upswing. A lot of people do, but you know, so you'll say, when do you plan on moving? You know, when do you plan on moving instead of up? So instead of if you're talking on a downswing, it's like, when do you plan on moving? You know, and so there's some tonality cuts that you can change about, and it takes practice. I mean, and those little tweaks are the tweaks that make a difference between someone hanging up the phone because they feel weird or because, or them staying on the phone because they think you're interested, right? Or they feel you're interested. So it, it's those things that you learn over the years of going to of those classes. And, you know, it's just really been a great adventure. And so the upswing at the end of a sentence or the end of a question, it, it, feels like you're you're not confident but the downswing at the end is authoritative and it makes the other person want to respond would you agree that that's the the difference if, if i phrase that correctly absolutely absolutely so the upswing causes them to feel weird or to create doubt so like if i say you're not going to interview another agent for the job of selling your home are you are you? <laughs> that's a downswing. I mean, that's an upswing. So that was, that creates doubt. Like, Oh, well, maybe I shouldn't, you know? <laughs> so, or, you know, you want to make sure that you have the right agent for the job of selling your home. Don't you like that's the downswing. So it's a definite change in how, and it's all of those kinds of things. You have to remember this job is we have, we're sincere in what we want to do. 
there's no, there's integrity here, but it's still acting and it's still a script and it's still all of those things. So you have to make sure to practice and you have to know what you're, what you're saying. Uh, very good. And, and you have Paula. So I want to bring us through uh, up to today and talk about where you are now, what you accomplished last year to show people that you did end up mastering these prospecting techniques. So uh, quick session here, rapid fire back and forth. First of all, what's the name of your team? Paula Burleson. <laughs> right, it's you. You're a solo agent, correct? I'm a solo agent. I do have staff, so I have um, a transaction coordinator, um, and I have a listing manager, um, and that's pretty much it. Are they full-time or part-time? Both full-time. Both full-time. Fantastic. Where is your service area? Um, so Las Vegas is about 70 miles from the northwest side to the southeast side. Um, Boulder City is just adjacent to that. So we will work that also from time to time. Um, so Las Vegas, Summerlin, um, North Las Vegas, the Air Force Base, Henderson, um, Green Valley Ranch. So um, it's just this little little section of lights in the desert. So. <laughs> Very good. And if somebody wants to learn more about you, is, do you have a website they could go to? Um, yeah, you could definitely just Google Paula Burleson. You can find, I've done interviews and other things, so um, certainly. But if you want to actually find me, um, lasvegashomes.com um, forward slash Paula Burleson, or you just go on there and say find an agent, and then the information will be there. Fantastic. And uh, I think you mentioned, but how long have you been licensed? 19 years. 19 years. Time and, flies uh, when you're having a great time. <laughs> it flies by. Uh, how many homes did you sell last year and what was your sales volume? Um, I sold 68, 70, 70 homes last year. Um, and, you know, they do this volume thing. I, you have the numbers there. I don't, I don't keep up with it that way. So I just do it by transaction. So I have 20 million in sales volume. Sound about right? Sounds right. Cool. And do you recall what your GCI was last year? Um, my GCI was 650,000. No, 525,000. My goal for this year is 650. So 525,000. 525. That is fantastic. Uh, for average sales price, I have that you were at about 318,000. Sound correct? Right around 325, 350. You know, I mean, I do all the way up to 800, all the way down to $100,000 condos. I'm pretty much, if you want to sell it, give it to me, I'll sell it. <laughs> you get it taken care of. And do you recall what your percentage of buyer to seller transaction was last year? Um, it's about 65, 40. So like I, I do about 40%, I would say 40% buyer, 60% listings. Thank you very much. Well, this is fantastic. Now you mentioned that uh, you don't have a team, but you have some assistance. You're, you're working with all the buyers and the sellers. You're doing all the prospecting and you have some administrative help to help with the paperwork. Could you tell us uh, what your two administrative folks are doing specifically? And, uh, uh, and, and let's start there. What are they doing? Well, let me start with what my job is. My job is to lead generate, go on appointments, meet with the people. Okay. I'm the, I, I'm the people, right? My assistant transaction coordinator, my listing, well, I'll start with my listing coordinator. My listing coordinator, um, she basically handles um, putting in the listing, 
um, scheduling the photos, meeting the photographer, putting on the lockbox, talking to the seller about any, um, up, any staging or anything that they need to do to their property to make it more sellable. We offer that service also. Um, she uh, handles all the showings. She handles all the, um, she communicates all the uh, showing feedback and the advertising and all that stuff. She communicates that. So, and then, and then once it goes into contract, then it goes over to my transaction coordinator. My transaction coordinator does all the contracts and the paperwork and um, making sure that everybody gets all they do. So literally, Mike, it looks like this. Here's the contract. I go out, I get it signed, I give it to my listing coordinator, and then my listing coordinator does all the things to get it on the market, and then once we get an offer on it, I get it back, I negotiate the offer, and then I hand it off to that person, and so uh, to the transaction manager. My job is really clear and really easy, and I think the biggest challenge that agents have is having great staff and learning to delegate. And understanding that there are people out there that will do things way better than you do. I'm really bad at paperwork. <laughs> I'm really bad at a lot of, I'm not say really bad. I'm not great at paperwork. And I'm not great at, you know, sitting in front of a computer and, you know, putting in a listing and doing all of those kinds of things. I'm really good at talking to people. And so that's where I need to be. And I learned that early. And I said, let me hire someone who's really good at advertising and publications. And like it turns their wheels to, to do that stuff. And then let me find someone super detail oriented that can write contracts and can, you know, handle the, the administrative paperwork part of it. So find people that can, that, that, turns their wheels and then hire them, pay them more than what they're worth and treat them with the utmost respect and authority. Let them do their jobs. Are your uh, assistants licensed? Yes, both of them are licensed. Both of them are licensed. Okay. And uh, when you, let's go, when did you bring in your first assistant? Uh, what volume level were you? Why did you feel the need to bring someone in? Well, I was, <laughs> um, I was doing about 25 deals a year, and I remember the moment <laughs> that, I, that I knew that I needed someone. Um, I was on the freeway. I had a buyer waiting for me at a house. I had another client that wanted to write an offer on a property, and I'm stuck in traffic on the freeway. Like, I can't help anyone right now, right? I can't do any of the things. And I'm still fielding phone calls and trying to be the best person, you know, have make sure everybody, the sign gets out and the flyers get out and the feedback gets out. And I, I literally said enough is enough, right? I mean, I believe as an agent, if you ever want to do more than 25, 30, 40, 50 deals, you have to let go and you have to find staff that's going to take care of it for you. I'm very passionate about it. Um, it and then I, so I brought someone in and then that was in 2006 and the world was amazing. <laughs> and then at 2008, the world was not so amazing. 
<laughs> so um, we started to see a major turn in our business. We started to see the business change. Um, everybody was scared. And um, I said, you know what? We have to retool. And so um, my assistant that I had at the time ended up going away um, on her own accord. And my husband at the time, who was an attorney, um, got laid off from his law firm. So I said, you know, can you go into the office and manage the stuff there? <laughs> and by the time within a week he had the whole office systematized and contracts pre you know written and all the things and so um, he was huge in helping me get to that stepping stone so um, but he's you know highly analytical you know he was an attorney so and the secret is is that he's still my transaction manager so and we make more money now than we did when he worked as an attorney and I worked as an agent so it worked out pretty well Wow that is fantastic um, so he's still working with you and then you when did you bring in another assistant so there came a point where um, I was still doing all the listing management and the advertising and the making the flyers and that kind of stuff. And um, my business started to go from buyer heavy over to listing heavy. Like it was a, and it was, it was intentional, um, but it started to, to change. And so as that change happened, um, I said, you know what, I really want to be able to give my clients um, I want to upgrade my customer service. And that's the big thing with Mike and Mike Ferry's thing. It's all about every year upgrading, 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 you know, upgrading your, your look, upgrading your, your customer service, upgrading your systems. So it's all about every year upgrading. So, um, so I said, you know what? I, I said, I won't, I'm going to hire someone to do this. I'm going to hire someone to, who has, a background in marketing and a background in advertising and I'm going to hire them to do this part of the job so that I can give my clients the very best service because I thought that would be a great value add to my to my presentation you know I mean how many agents in the valley can go through and say oh when you list with me Mike the great news is, is that I have a professional marketing person on my team that's trained in marketing and advertising that's going to be advertising your property. I mean, that's what you want, right? Yeah, that's strong. Yeah. So, I mean, and so that was when I did that. And I'll tell you, when I hired that person, she walked into my office and she opened up, I interviewed four or five people, some licensed, some old agents, that people that were agents before. And this person came to me from the advertising background and she wasn't licensed. And she opened up her, her, her book and she took out five pieces of paper and she says, I've already evaluated all, all of your websites and da, 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 and this, that, and the other thing. And I went ahead and I made you a list of things that you can do to improve your customer service and that you can improve your advertising. And I was like, you're hired. There was no question in my mind. Like I was like, if she's got and and like literally I hired her six years ago. Um, and I hired her in July and I was able to leave and go on my first 10 day vacation to Europe 
because I knew that my business would be well taken care of for the first time in my career. And you were able to take the other assistant, your husband. Yeah, so we left Amanda here, and we just left, and she handled everything. And she had to take it all on. Uh, she tells me every time, every time I leave now, she says, I hate your job, have a great time, and please come back. <laughs> come back soon. Uh, and that's also got to be another sales point that most people aren't going to have. Your uh, transaction uh, coordinator, transaction manager is uh, not only your husband, but an attorney. Uh, <laughs> handling these yeah. contracts, uh, most people have to feel pretty good about that. Well, he can't give legal advice. He's no longer associated with the Nevada bar, but it's still nice to have him there, you know, because he's very detail-oriented. Absolutely, and trained in all that. That is cool. Well, very good. Thank you so much for walking us through that and the, the, um, uh, this, the working uh, relationships that you've set up. I keep wanting to say team, but, but you, you keep pointing out properly it's uh, you're a solo agent with assistance. Um, let's talk now about more of that prospecting and lead generation. It's something people always want to know about. And you get about 60% of your business from repeating referrals, past clients, sphere of influence. So my first question for you is, how many people are in your database of past clients and sphere of influence? You know, not as many as you would think. So I have about 600 people in my database. Um, and, um, so I get, you know, about 10% of them send me a deal every or send me a referral every single year. Um, and I prospect them. <laughs> you can't just, I mean, your sphere of influence is like a garden. You can't just leave it to go by itself. You have to take care of it. Right. So I prospect them, um, 10 a day. So I talk to 10 a day, every single day. Um, I call and I say, I, you know, I have a script <laughs> and I, I ask them, you know, how they're doing. I see, I give them something of value. I give them gratitude for their business that they've trusted me with and that they've referrals that they've sent to me. I see if there's anything that they might be doing that I can help support. And then I ask them for business. And so they're like my fan club and they, they will tell you that they were like, we have to stay in the fan club. So it's, it's cause it's a lot of fun. We do um, two big events a year where we celebrate our sphere of influence. Um, I'll rent out a movie theater or we went to a baseball game once and I'm like, the beers are on me, man. So um, beers and hot dogs for everybody. And, or, you know, we have a, um, a fantastic local theater um, here that's outdoors that's beautiful I'll rent that place and we'll all go and we'll watch a show and I'll have it catered so we do that twice a year to celebrate with them um, and they know like whenever I get a referral I send a little thank you card and a little Starbucks card in there or a smoothie card or you know whatever and just you know say thank you gratitude is the most powerful emotion known to man it's even more powerful than love and if you can give your SOI recognition on a very high level and give them gratitude they will continue to produce for you now a quick word from our sponsor real GTV real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. 
open Google and search RealG TV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now back to the show. Good. Let's let's do this. Uh, you mentioned that you make these phone calls ten per day. Uh, could we role play one of those calls? Uh, could sure. you be calling me as one of your past clients or sphere of influence? Yeah, sure. So ring, ring. Hello. Hey, Mike, it's Paula from Coldwell Banker, your real estate agent. How are you today? Oh, hey, Paula. Good. I'm doing great. Thank you. Oh, that's so good to hear. Hey, first and foremost, before we get started, I wanted to let you know this is a business call. Do you have a second for me? Oh, sure. Oh, good. Wow, that's great. You know, at first I wanted to say thank you so much for your trust and confidence and to say thank you for any referrals that you may have already sent me. Just out of curiosity, is there anybody that you've given my card to that I need to follow up with? No, I can't think of anyone. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So what I'll do is I'm going to send you a couple of my business cards so you'll have them when you're ready, okay? Okay. Okay, great. So I wanted to share with you something great that's going on in the market. Right now, we have over 100 homes a day selling here in Las Vegas. Did you know that? No, I knew the market was good, but I didn't know the number. Yeah, so it's really a cool thing. And actually, people that list with me are getting sold within about 12 to 14 days. So I have to ask, Mike, who do you know that deserves that kind of treatment and wants to get their home sold? Um, you know, it's kind of funny you ask because, uh, Jill had just mentioned that she was thinking about moving, but you know, she's really early in the process. Good. Well, that's the right time to start talking to me so that I can help her make the, give her all the information so she can make the right decisions. That's what you want, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah wanted, she deserves that. To do good. Yeah. So let's do that. And then, so I'll follow up with Jill. What's the best number to reach her? Yeah, it's uh, it's five 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 five. Oh man, okay, perfect. So I'll give her a call. I'll let you let her know that I'm going to call her before I call, and I'll call her tomorrow morning. Would that be okay? Sure. Yeah, you okay, know, I, I I bet she'd like some help. Yeah, well, I'll be sure to make sure you look like a rock star and make sure she gets everything that she needs. Now, before I let you go, Mike, is there anything you're doing, your friends, family, associates, anything I can help you with right now? No, no, I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty happy. Thanks for helping us get this house. No worries, no worries. Well, you know, I want you to know that I'm always here for you no matter what. And if there is anything I can do to help support anything that you're doing, don't hesitate to let me know, okay? I will do. Awesome, thanks. Make it a great day. Uh, thank you, Paula. Bye-bye. Cool. Thank you for walking us through that. So, so to break that down, I like how at the beginning you mentioned that it's a business call. Yeah, I'm very stuck on that because I want people to know it's a business call. I, I mean, let's be honest, Mike, has anyone ever called you and tried to like be friends with you and then asked for $20? Like they really want to know how you were or do they want to ask for $20? Like, did, so, you, did you start doing that at one point at telling them it's a business call? And, and what was the difference between before you did that and after you did that? Um, well, I'll tell you this, it's on the script. <laughs> so, so you have to say it. Um, but what happens is you lead the call with integrity. So you pe people know why you're calling. The other thing is, is they know it's going to be a short call. You're not calling for a personal reason. It's not going to be a really long call. It's only going to be a couple of minutes and that it's going to be a business call. The other really important thing, especially with my sphere of influence, because a lot of them have become great friends over the years, right? 
I'm really blessed about that. Um, if I have someone that I'm actually friends with that I'm actually doing business with, um, if they call me and they want to talk about business and I'll talk about business with them, I'll say, okay, this is a business call. Um, and they say, Hey, are you going to go to that party on Saturday? I go, Hey, you know what, Mike, I'm, Probably, but let me call you later about that when I'm not working. And I just keep it really, like, really straight and simple so that, you know, we know that this is business and this is like later we're going to go have cocktails, right? So it's a, it's a completely different and different conversation. That's really interesting. So you're delineating, you're, you're dividing between business and personal calls. And if they start to mix, you clarify. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 my, and most of my clients and friends have come to know that and they, they respect it. Um, I think it's really important because, you know, we can tend to lose the respect of our peers if we, um, you know, if we go table dancing while, they're, while we're supposed to be working. <laughs> but you mentioned you're calling 10 a day. You have 600 people in the list. So Basically, you're getting through everybody within about 60 days, two months, maybe a little more uh, than that because of the weekends. So let's say three months. So you're calling four times a year to each person, uh, and you're having this conversation four times a year. Do, does it ever get to the point where they, they don't take your calls because they know it's going to be this business call coming in? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. And that, that doesn't bother you? No. I just leave them a message, and then I send them a text. And tell them how awesome they are and how much I appreciate them. And then I move on. You know, Does anyone okay. ever say, geez, you know, you keep calling me and asking me for business. Don't call me anymore. I think out of 600, I have like one person who I call and they're like, Paula, when we're ready, we'll call you. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll talk to you so, in a quarter to see what's I mean, happening. <laughs> one, out of every, one out of 600. I mean, come on. So it's just fine. I mean, honestly, people have to get over this concept that they're, um, it's all in your mindset. Like, I feel like I'm calling them and I'm doing them a favor. Like, I'm doing them a favor because I'm keeping them updated about what's going on in the market. I'm checking in on them personally. And I know they have a referral for me that they just have been meaning to call me, but they're busy. So I'm doing them a favor by calling. Most people have the mindset that they're bothering people. If they're bothering people, they, people will either not answer the phone or if you say, hey, this is a business call. Do you have a minute for me? They'll say, you know, I'm really busy right now. I go, okay, that's great. I'll send you a text. <laughs> so, and that's the end of it, you know? That's great. It's a great attitude that you have. And it, that affects the way you approach it. Probably affects the sound that comes through in your voice. Absolutely. Uh, and it also probably helps with your experience. You just mentioned 600 calls and one person wasn't happy. And they didn't end the relationship. They just said, well, I'll call you when I'm ready. Mm -hmm. uh, very good. I think people need to hear that. Um, very nice. So now you also do these two events every year. I assume that th at that point you're calling to invite them to the event. I always have a reason to invite them. I always have a reason to talk to people, you know, um, and you're right. So like twice a year, I'm inviting them to the event. Um, the other times I'm calling them because it's tax season or because, you know, the, there was a great, you know, something going on in the city or, you know, I mean, you just, you, there's all kinds of reasons to call. I mean, um, there's a, there's a whole, there's always a reason to call people. Very there's always good, good so news to share. 
you're finding a reason to call, you're mixing it with the, the, this business purpose that you're going to ask for a referral and phrase that in a lot of different ways to see if they can think of someone or have some business for you. And you said on average, about 10% of them are referring somebody to you over the course of a year. Yeah, so I get about 60 referrals and a lot of those don't pan out or they become client later clients or whatever. But, um, you know, the other thing is, is all about recognition, like recognition and gratitude. So um, whenever I get a referral, like when I go like, Mike, let's just say I call Jill and I made an appointment with Jill and I'm going over to her house. I'll call you back from the driveway and I'll be like, hey, Mike. I want to let you know I just met with Jill and we had a great conversation and she's super excited about getting her home on the market and it's going to be because of you that she gets to be with her grandkids in Florida before the summer ends. How cool is that? Awesome. Yeah. So that makes you feel great, right? You were part of the process. And then when she closes, I'm going to say, hey, Mike, guess what? Because of you, Mike, because she, Jill gets to go to Florida and be with her grandkids. And I want to say thank you. And I bet she does too. So give her a call and congratulate her. Nice. I, you know, that is so powerful that you're taking the step behind the referral, right? A lot of people go to the front of the referral and take it, but they forget about down the line to thank that person multiple times for that referral so that you're ingraining in them that they want to do this again, right? You're, you're uh, complimenting them. You're pleasing them. You're asking them. They're to part do of my again. team. They're part of, they're part of the fan club. Like it's awesome. Like it's cool to keep them involved. And, and I'll ask Jill, I go, Hey, you know, is it okay if I let Mike know that we had a conversation today and let him know that what you've decided to do? And, and they 90 times, 99% of the time they say, yeah, absolutely. I'll see him tomorrow at work. I go, great. Give him a high five and let him know that you got the house on the market, you know? So let me ask about this list of 600. How did you determine the list of 600? Who goes in? Who comes out? Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, small, tight list. Why did you do it that way? And again, who goes in? Who goes out? How's the, what is the qualification to get on that list? So to get into the fan club? Yeah. <laughs> so um, you have to either do business with me or have sent me business within the last 12 months. So those people are on my A-list Um they're on my A-list, right? And there's about 200 of them. And they get a call every 45 days, okay? So, and they get invited to the events. They get, um, you know, if I've got an extra tickets to go see, if I got an extra ticket to go see the Golden Knights or if I've got a ticket to go see Lady Gaga or something, you know, I'll put it out there for people and, you know, whatever. So I've got theater seats that I'm not using. I just, you know, I, I just, I don't buy the stuff. I just come across it and just, you know, give it away. Right. So, um, so those are the people that are in, that are my A list. My B list are people that have been slacking and, or that I haven't talked to in the last, you know, in, in the last 12 months for whatever reason. Um, they're, I, they still get a Christmas card from me. I they still get a call four times a year. Um, and they still get, you know, great service. Um, but you know, everybody's a different personality and not everybody, you know, wants to, wants to be in the A-list. So that's okay. So, and, and so I call them every quarter and I just share what's going on in the market. And like I said, they're still, they're, they still, you know, they're still part of that. And then I've got like some C-listers. Those people are people that have, um, who have helped and they've moved away or, um, and 
they're not here in Las Vegas anymore or people that I don't have a complete address for or I don't for some reason I just have an email or I don't have a phone number or maybe their phone number changed or something like that and we we send them out emails um, they're on our email drip system so we communicate with them through email and then once a year um, I'll call them at the holidays and I'll talk I'll try to get in touch with them and try to get them upgraded <laughs> so I'll and I'll call them and tell them I go hey it's Paula if you're your real estate agent I'm trying to upgrade your seats right now <laughs> and you know in my fan club and so they uh, they're important for that Paula you mentioned that you've got about 200 people on your a list 600 people overall how many of those people are in the B and C list in each of those um, I think I have about 300 people in my B list and about 100 people on the C list. I mean, the point of the C list is to get get those people moved up and get them upgraded to the to the better seats, you know, in the show. So they uh, they they you know it's, it, you know you just do what you can do, right? The uh, the 200 that they're in the A list. I assume that that's where the majority of the referrals are coming from. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why you're spending more time with them and, and putting more effort in there. Uh, and when you put that in perspective, that's pretty amazing. That's even better than one in 10 off that 200. Um, anyway, I just want to point that out to people that they need to get out there and, and make that list if they haven't already. Let's switch gears though. Let's talk about more about prospecting. We got a prospecting expert here. Let's talk about, uh, let's start off with expired listings, right? It was, it was a pretty good percentage of the business a little over 10% last year. Uh, what do you, how do you approach an expired listing? So expireds are challenging. So you want to make sure that um, they've already had a bad experience, but they need to sell their house, right? So it's important to come to them with something for, from a point of, from a point of view of, um, a little bit of empathy is involved, right? So their house just expired. Now every agent in the city is calling them and asking them the same questions and where, and they're like, where were you when my house was for sale? Like, you know, why am I getting a hundred calls today? So it's really important to like, let them like, I come from a, my mindset is, is that they're going to be angry because they deserve to be angry. And I have to overcome that. Um, and I have to empathize with the fact that they deserve better. Um, and once we get past that and we stop taking it as the agent, stop taking it personally, um, that rejection, we stop taking that rejection personally. And we realize that that person has every right to be upset and every right to be angry and every right to feel like we are a bunch of buffoons, then, you know, you can get past um, all the rest of it. Let's talk about the objection handling of the point you just brought up. Somebody you're talking to this expired on the phone. And one of the early things they say is, hey, why didn't you bring a buyer by when I had it on the market? Yeah, you know what? You deserve that. And you probably wanted a buyer to come buy your house. It sounds like to me, Mike, that you still want to sell. Is that right? I do. Yeah, you know what? And I want to help. So here, let's do this. I'd be happy to give you some time in my schedule tomorrow at four. And I can share with you exactly what it's going to take for you to sell the home. And then you can make whatever decision is right for you. Does that sound fair? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll look forward to seeing you then. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. 
So you changed the tonality in your voice. Um, <laughs> you went to more of a soothing, calming, kind of like almost a, a motherly sound in your voice to that person. Did I pick up on that? Absolutely. So it's called the radio voice. And um, it is something that I learned from Chris Voss and um, his book called um, Never Split the Difference. Um, and it was, he does a great master class and that's a great book. And he talks about, he was a, do you know who he is? No. He was um, the number one FBI hostage negotiator in the 90s, in the early 2000s. And he wrote a great book called Never Split the Difference. And he talks about using that radio voice when you want to create calmness and you want to diffuse a situation. So you use the voice, the radio voice, and you also, you allowed them to vent. You allowed me to vent. You said, I heard you. You didn't answer my question. You went directly <laughs> to where you wanted to go, which is set the appointment and we'll see if we can solve it. What you did go to was their goal. You want to still sell them, right? Yeah. And, and then you went for the appointment. I thought that was really interesting. Does that work most of the time? Yeah, works a lot of the time. I mean, sometimes they're still mad and they need to still vent and that's okay. You just got to let them, you know? And so you find that they're like that balloon and once they get all the air out, then it gives you space to be able to offer a service and to, and to offer a solution. The problem is a lot of agents come in too early trying to brag about themselves and or, you know, talk about themselves and, uh, and not offering or, or to offer the service too early and they're not ready yet. And so you just have to let that process, you have to be okay with that. I was thinking it, it, it'd be like a, a doctor walking in for the first time. You had just broken your, your wrist. And uh, they said, hey, I went to Harvard, and I went to this school and that school. And, you're saying, well, and I think we should go to surgery wrist? right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at fixing wrists. And, in fact, I've, just, I've fixed 100 wrists already this week, and I'm going to take you to surgery right now. I mean, how would you feel about that? Like you couldn't run fast enough with your broken wrist. <laughs> so that was really good. Now I, I want to ask big picture about expireds because you've done a lot of them. If you call up a hundred expireds, how many are going to end up listing with you? Um, if I, well, I know the numbers. I have to call 122 to get one appointment and I have an 80% take ratio. Okay. Wow. You do know your numbers. So if you, when you say 122, do you mean 122 conversations, 122 dials? What are 122 you about? contacts. So I have to get hung up on 121 times in order to make that appointment. Not, some of those turn into leads. I'm not going to lie. I probably get three or four leads a day. They may turn into something they may not, but to actually make the appointment, um, it takes about that many. So, I mean, I make one a week. I mean, and people are like, oh my gosh, 122 times, that's so much. But let's think about this. If you make one appointment a week, that's four a month, and you take three of those over the period of a year, that's 12, what is that, three? 36. 36. Is that enough? That's a lot. I mean, if you make 10 grand a time, that's 30, $360,000. 
is it worth getting hung up on 121 times? <laughs> Only the people listening can answer that question. But <laughs> you made the decision that, yeah, you absolutely can. Now, the 122, is that on expireds or is that generic prospecting all the people you call? It's generic prospecting. It's all my contacts. So I have to make 122 contacts before I make an appointment. So that includes just listed, just sold, my for rent by owners, for sale by owners. That's everybody. So you think about it in the mass terms, 122 calls. Uh, for instance, I would think that expireds would be a lower number because they're more motivated. You know they're going to move. They've already had their home on the market. Have you tracked that? Is it a lower number that you have to call in order to turn into an appointment? No. Because you're just going through your list every day, calling, here's the expireds, here's the FISBOs, here's the other groups, and you're just rolling through. And you know yeah. you want to get to 122. Yeah. Well, um, my goal is to do 30 contacts a day before noon. Um, and then uh, usually, you know, 10 more roll in during the day um, of return calls or, uh, you know, if I reach out to a spear or something. So something. So I usually get 10 more during the day. So I, I, I average between 35 and 40 a day. The 30 contacts you want to make in the morning, uh, how long does that take you? Takes me about three to three and a half hours. About three, three and a half hours. Okay. Very good. And are you using a, a, one of those auto dialers or are you just hitting the buttons yourself? You know, I used to dial by myself. And um, so, uh, and I'm a little dyslexic. Um, so I would get the wrong number and I would still try to make an appointment. Um, and then there was a time where I had two headsets and two phones and that was a lot of fun. That was before auto dialers, right? So you would dial this number and then you would dial this number and then whoever hung up first, you know, you, whoever answered first, you just hang up on the other one before they answered. But, um, but yeah, so I do use an auto dialer cause it helps me, um, tremendously with, um, the, the, a, having the data, efficiency, that kind of stuff. And I use Red X and I use their storm dialer. Um, what I like about it is, is that um, I can, it's within legal ramifications because there are some legal things going on with auto dialers right now and you need to make sure that you're with someone who's in within the guidelines. Um, the other thing is, is I can set it to, I can leave a message um, or I can, um, it, 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 it CRMs a bunch of stuff. I can set a call back. I can do a lot of different things. I mean, I could get into a whole conversation about that, but, um, but yes, um, it, it, Red X is an invaluable asset to a agent's business. Their platform is by far, I'm a raving fan. So like literally they have built a platform where you can upload your own data. They give you for rent by owners. They give you for sale by owners. They give you expireds. And they have what they call geo-tracking, which means that you can drop a pin in a neighborhood and or draw a line around the, the subdivision and you can do your just listed, just sold calls in less than a minute. So you can have all the data and load it up to the dialer in less than a minute. And when you're like me and you make $360 an hour when you're prospecting, every minute counts. 
Wow. You know your your rate on your calls. Uh, that has to be a motivator for making those each day. You know that you're going to. It's going to result in what you want. It's going to be worth your time. Um, do you have any other tips for someone that's calling and expired, either for opening the dialogue or for closing for the appointment? Um, a lot of times people, the first thing they say, the first two things that they say are the reflex nose. So you have to realize that, that no matter, they could say, you know what, I had cheese for dinner. Like, it doesn't matter what they say. Like, you know, I'm moving to the moon. It doesn't matter. They're going to be reflex nose. So you just have to know that. So once you learn to accept that and know that you don't even have to acknowledge that, that you just have to, you know, the house isn't for sale anymore. I'm aware that it's not for sale anymore. Thank you so much for letting me know. Just curious if you'd received an offer yesterday, would you still want to sell it? You know, um, you know, and, and, and they may say, you know, no, we've changed our mind. Okay, perfect. So I hear that your plans have changed. Has the timing plan, a timing of the plan changed or is it something else that's going on? So you have to be able to get past those first two reflex nose. And that's what the Mike Ferry script does. It literally has questions on there so that you can get past those no's. And once you learn how to ask those questions and how to respond, the other key is, is that we, as humans, our human nature is to be right. And we have to give that up. That is a really hard thing for people to learn. And so, um, you know, with a for sale by owner, you want to say, you know, oh, you're never going to sell. You're ne Did you realize that only 2% of for sale by owners sell themselves? And you're just like, well, listen, when you walk up to someone at a party and you say, you know, that color doesn't look good on you. <laughs> Maybe you don't smell good. Like, you know, like, are those people going to want to like hang around with you? No, right? So you can't come in telling them and making them wrong. You have to come in and, and it, you don't have to agree. There's a difference between acknowledgement and agreement. And a lot of people don't understand that. So I acknowledge that you're having, that you have decided to stop selling your home, but I may not agree with that, right? So acknowledge it and then move on to the next question. Um, when you walk into a department store, Mike, you're, you, I know you're a guy, you're going in there, you know exactly what you're going to buy, you know what color it is, you know what size it is, you know what brand it is, you know exactly what you want, right? And the salesperson walks up to you and says, hi, can I help you? What do you say? No, I'm just looking. Well, you're a liar! <laughs> <laughs> the seller is doing the same thing. They don't know you, they don't trust you. They have no reason to trust you. So you've got to give them the space to be able to do that. And you do that by asking those questions. Very good. Now, you mentioned for sell by owners. Uh, what's the approach that you take with them? So the approach I take with them is, you know, hey, you know what, Mike? You can do it. I know you can sell that house yourself. And, but, you know, I'm just curious. If you could sell the home yourself and make the same amount of money or more and let me do all the work, take on all the liability, all the headaches, and you just get paid at the end of the day, would it be worth spending 15 minutes of your time talking to me about it? Boom. Yeah, that is strong. Um, 
Boy, I'm trying to, to dissect everything you had in there. Uh, at the end, you mentioned 15 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. I've heard that in a lot of other calls that that is a great little phrase to get your foot in the door because you're, mm -hmm. you're probably going to be there more than 15 minutes, right? If things are working you're, out. You're probably, if it's going to work out, but if it's not, like. You might be in and out in 15 <laughs> You know, my average appointment because of the systems that we use is 35 to 45 minutes. Um, wow. You know, um, I actually set my clock and if I don't have a yes and a signature at 37 minutes, I'm questioning whether or not these people are either motivated or I didn't do my job. What, something has happened, right? So, because at 45 minutes, somebody better bring me a glass of wine because I've been here too long. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> So, I mean, I'll even tell a seller or for sale by owner, if they're nervous, I'll say, hey, listen, I'm going to be in the neighborhood. It's not a problem. I'll leave my car running. I'll be in and out. I just want to drop off some information, answer any questions that you might have, go over exactly what it's going to take to sell your home, and then you can make whatever decision is right for you. Does that sound fair? The phrase, keep my car running. That sounds like it's going to be a very fast appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, well, you're dropping all these little things in there that are super powerful. I want people to pick up on them. Uh, <laughs> you and they're also, a lot of fun, too. What's that? They're a lot of fun, too. They are. It, once you get a handle on them and you become a, 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 a controller of this, the master of it uh, becomes your tools of the trade. You mentioned with the for sale by owner dialogue in the beginning that if you could do all the work and they could just get the paycheck and if it was as big as they were going to get anyway, why not have you do the work? You use that logic on them uh, mm -hmm. to open up that appointment. Does that work? All the time. Works all the time. Because they probably I mean, have in the back them, of their mind that they're going to hire an agent down the road anyway. Right, exactly. And if it doesn't work out, they can always hire me. At least I've already been there, been in front of them. You know, I've shown up. I have professional, you know, here's what you don't do. You don't show up with that giant brag book of stuff. Okay. They don't, they know the comps. They know that they know all of that. We just show up, be professional, give them a, give them your plan of action, two page plan of action, and then possibly testimonials, right? If you show up with that giant, I can't, Mike, I cannot tell you the number of times I've walked into a for sale by owner and there'll be a stack, stack, I mean, binded books, bows, like all this stuff, right? And I'm like, why didn't you listen to any of those people? And they were like, they didn't make us feel comfortable. Right. <laughs> Goes right back to the basics. Um, I want to switch gears. Uh, I know we're running low on time, but I, I don't want to miss out here. You uh, prospect a group called uh, Non-Owner Occupieds. What is that group for people that don't know? And then how are you prospecting them? So a lot of people own investment properties and or vacation homes in every market. I don't care where you live, okay? So um, why people would have a vacation home in Montana, I don't know, it's cold there, so whatever. But they do, right? So they have investment properties, or, and usually if they own one, then they probably own more than one. And that's the key, right? So I have some clients that have 90, 60, 80, 50 properties, right? Those, I wanna be best friends with those people. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, so, uh, and, and it's intentional, right? So you bring a lot of value. Um, so you start with, if you're going to do it on your own, you start with calling, going on, um, and finding Craigslist and looking at things that are for rent, right? And calling them, right? But if you really want the easy way, you um, you call Red X and you ask for the for rent by owners. Um, or you go to your title company and you ask them for a list of non-owner occupieds and then you take that list to Red X and they can, they can uh, you can get the numbers that way, okay? So it's a little time consuming, but you can do it. Um, and that's the easiest way to do it. I mean, if their name is on different, if their address on their tax record is different than the address of the property, then they're non-owner occupied and or that property is a vacation home or a rental. And so then I'll just pick up the phone, Mike, and I'll say, hey, Mike, it's Paula. I'm an agent here in Las Vegas. I noticed that you have either a vacation home or a rental property here, and I wanted to call and just see what your plans are for selling that home this year. Now they and they'll say, oh no. Rent, right? And you're asking yeah. about the sell. Yeah. Oh, well, it's for rent right now. So tell me it's for rent. Yeah. So let's, let's start over. Right? You, you do your script and I'll come in as them. Okay. Perfect. So, um, Mike, th this is Paula from Coldwell Banker. You know, I'm a real estate agent here in Las Vegas, and I happened to notice that you had a property here that was either an investment property or a vacation home, and I was wondering what your plans are for selling that home this year. Oh, we're not selling. We're trying to rent it. Are you oh, a tenant? No, you know, I'm not, but thank you so, so much for asking. Has it always been an investment property for you, or have you lived in the property before? Well, my wife wanted to have a vacation property down there, and mm -hmm. we never ended up moving, so it's just been rented out. So you guys have just used it as a rental, and how's that worked out for you? It's been kind of a pain long distance, but, you know, we get it rented, and you know, we have to fly down there every once in a while to take care of the repairs and stuff. But Right. So fingers crossed we get a good tenant and it pays the rent all the time and those kinds of things. Yeah, it's, it's a crapshoot. About one out of five. Sometimes we get it the right one and sometimes good. we don't. Well, you know, I mean, it's absolutely understandable. Um, just out of curiosity, what would it take for you to consider selling that property and cashing out and putting that money in your bank account? I'd love to sell. I don't, I'm not sure about my wife, but I'd love to sell that thing. Well, I would love to talk to her about it. You know, did you realize that here in the Las Vegas market that having a vacant property in today's day and age is actually a huge advantage for you? Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, vacant properties are often sought after by buyers because they can close faster and they don't have a lot of strings involved with them. So if I could get that home sold for you in the next 30 days and you could cash that check and put it in your bank, would that work for you? That, that would work for me. Again, you'll well, still have to talk to my wife, but yeah, I, that sounds pretty good. Sounds like you know what you're doing. 
Well, I only do this about 60 times a year. So why don't we do this? I have some time in my schedule, either tomorrow afternoon or Friday. What do you think would be good for you and your wife for me to set up a meeting and we can chat about what might be your opportunity here in the market? Yeah, maybe, maybe Friday afternoon. So Friday afternoon, does 4.30 work? It works for me. Yeah, yeah, that works for us. Okay, perfect. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to send you an email with all the information that you're going to need to make a decision. And then me, you, and your wife will make whatever decision is right for you. Does that sound okay? That sounds okay. Okay. I look forward to talking to you at 4 o'clock, 4.30. Boom. Uh, I like that. I like how you say we'll make a decision that's right for you. It's, it's putting them to the point that they're going to make a decision, but you're not forcing their hand one way or the other. Right. And here's the thing. If you don't get it now, at least you've established a relationship. You have a bridge and you put that person in your sphere of influence and you call them four times a year and you know, become their best friend. It's fine. <laughs> and they may have a lot more, right? You mentioned that earlier. You never know. Look, I accidentally put a city council person in my sphere of influence and now she's sent, you know, tons of me, tons. She's never once done business with me. I've never met her in person, but she has sent me no less than 10 deals in the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> people like to know people who can get things done. Uh, it makes them look good. Up. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, well, this has been great, Paula. Thank you for, for walking us through that. I've I got a, a couple more quick things for you. Um, my, first of all, you, you don't have a huge staff or a huge team and uh, and we've kind of got an idea how your business is structured. And the question is, are you profitable? <laughs> so here's the really cool thing. You'll never see my name on a bus bench. You'll never see um, on a billboard. You'll never see um, my face at the grocery store unless I'm shopping. You know, I, I, I do almost no advertising. I buy zero leads from Zillow. I have exactly zero geometric or ge geological farms that I send stuff to. I do send just listed, just sold postcards, but I don't send any other thing other than that. Um, even on my card, you will see there is not a photo of me. And I'm not an unattractive person. I just don't believe that it's about me. I believe it's about them. And that mindset to be able to run my business so efficiently is giving me a life that I never could imagine having otherwise. I mean, I made gross to myself $402,000 last year. And sure, some of that was expenses and taxes and all that other stuff. But let me tell you, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so let me make sure I got that right. Did you just say that uh, after your expenses, because you have a couple of assistants as an example and a couple of things you said, just listed cards in the office and things. After expenses, you netted just over 400000 Correct. And it was off of 500000 So 525000 <laughs> as a percentage we're looking at just uh, a right around 80 percent net profit margin right and that's the beauty of being a solo agent with a prospecting business is an incredibly high profit margin right. that's what i want everybody to pick up on 
Uh, now, my tax guy and the IRS, they love me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> and believe me, I am always looking for another write-off. But that being said, they are my 30% partner, and I'm okay with it. It helps me be able to have an amazing life. Wow, that is phenomenal. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Paula, what drives you? You know... It's a great question, and I would say that people talk about money, and they talk about goals, and they talk about all those things, and yeah, you know what? I love my life. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just took my mom on, or my husband's mom on a 21-day all-expensive paid vacation to Italy because that's where she has never been to, and that's where she was from, and we got to meet with her cousins and nephews and people that she you know that, that from in the middle of nowhere Italy you know and it was such a cool middle of Tuscany you know it's such a cool experience right so experiences drive me you know being able to have that great life um, but when it really comes down to the brass tacks of it I love helping people and I love making them happy and I think that there's a lot of us like that. Um, when my clients talk to me or talk to other people about me, I the recognition and the gratitude that they have for the service that I've given them is, is palpable. And that means the world to me, that I was able to help them reach their goals and be able to do things that they never thought possible. Very good. Well, Paula, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Don't be like me. <laughs> Don't wait around um, and think that you know it all and that you, and don't be afraid. Invest in yourself. Find a coach or a company or an advisor that you that you jive with and stay that course. Whether it's Mike Ferry, whether it's Brafini, whether it's Tom, whether it's whatever it is, just stop switching lanes, okay? The bottom line is, is that any professional, any doctor, any lawyer, any sports professional, any dancer, any theater performer, any actor, they have invested years of practice into their craft and they don't switch it up they don't switch lanes you've just got to stay the course and you've got to invest in yourself um, and know that it's going to take hard work and it's going to take longer than they told you in real estate school <laughs> so but the good news is is that at the end of a year at the end of two years at the end of three years at the end of five years, your life will be exponentially better and you as a person will be exponentially better. So hire a coach, stay the course, you know, take advice. I mean, every single, I mean, every sports person has multiple coaches, right? So there's value in that. So there's value in, don't try to do it yourself, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just not, you're worth it. You're worth the investment. Thank you, Paula. 
Well, Paul, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Um, learn that this job is not about the money and that it's about what you can do for people. And no matter what, adopt the mindset that you're going to do whatever, you're going to do the right thing, no matter whether you're getting paid or not. And as long as you will do the right thing, most of the time, you will win. So just be in it for other people, and then everything else will work itself out. Uh, very good. Well, Paula, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today. No problem. And delegate. Anything you're not good at, delegate. <laughs> so these are the people that I love. Darren Hardy is my guiding light. Um, if you're not on the Darren Daily Get on the Darren Daily. It's free. He's an amazing coach. Mike Ferry, if he's your thing, if you're, then sign up. Go to the events. Um, Red X. Red X is an amazing company. They'll make your life so much easier. And then delegate. Get great staff and delegate everything that you don't love to do. If you don't love to do it, find someone else who turns their wheels and let them do it. Oh, that is great advice. Great <laughs> advice, Paula. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Hey, so I just want to thank everybody for being here and letting me share with you guys. I also want to ask, you know, I kind of have to, if you know anybody that needs my help here in Las Vegas, you can find me super easy. Just Google Paula Burleson, Coldwell Banker, or you can call me directly at 702 326 4901 and I'll be happy to help anybody that you have and make you look like a rock star. Uh, thank you, Paul. I bet you're going to take really good care of them. So if you have a referral for somebody to go out to Las Vegas, be sure to give Paula a call and she'll take really good care of them. I will. That's my, it's, it's my job. Uh, thank you, Paula. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Success Calls. Keep moving forward. Bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.